Shall we read a poem from A Light in the Attic? Shall we read a poem? I'm Russ. And I'm Lauren. Scotland. Scotland. Land of greenery. And Tartans. I haven't been there in the fall before. And Loch Lomond. Mm Mm-hmm. Loch Ness. They really do. You know what I love the best about that? Capitalizing on something that every single nearby resident knows is complete hooey. But none the fucking less. Wouldn't you? It's just fun. Cryptids are fun. I mean, yeah, they are fun unless you take them seriously, which there are an inordinate amount of people that are like, yes, that's a real thing. There is a plesiosaur, it is still alive, and it's paddling around in a Scottish lake. It'd be the loneliest plesiosaur ever. Actually, who even knows if they were all that social? Actually, somebody might know. This thing's just swimming around fucking tuna. (laughs) I don't think they have tuna in Loch Ness. Right in their big tuna mouths. I I don't... hmm. Russ, your understanding of geography is questionable. Uh... Also, uh, biology. What, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> How do you fuck a fish uh, in the... Never mind. Plesiosaurs aren't turning up on ghetto gaggers? Yeah, never mind. Let's not. Let's not. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. What are you going to see in Scotland? Uh, going up... Well, I'm going to do a little bit in Edinburgh. And then yeah. I'm going up to the Cairngorms, which is this mountainous area in North Scotland. Oh. Yeah. You know, the folks in Edinburgh sure like it when you talk about Harry Potter. They're big fans of that. <laughs> Are they? I don't know. <laughs> is that where it was filmed? No. Uh, there was the, the, first, the, the first book was written at in and around the environs there's one particular cafe i believe it's called the elephant cafe where the majority of the first book was written and there's a few places around that inspired locations in the book there's a cemetery and then uh candlemaker's row is the inspiration for diagon alley and a couple other things but yeah okay fuck off russ i haven't read any of the books or seen any of the movies so you don't have to you're not missing much but you well whatever yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. It was, you know how, like, at some point in life, something can be important to you, and then suddenly it's just not anymore, and you mourn for that part of you that is now dead. Kind of like how I watched every single episode of Game of Thrones. I'm trying to think if this has ever happened to me. I think by the time I'm, when something's dead to me, I'm already, usually already over it. <laughs> well, Harry Potter's been over since, like, 2000, what, fucking seven or so? Yeah. Or eight? No, I mean, but not not it's over, but I'm over it. Oh. Well, for any eagle-eared listeners, uh, we will sound rather similar between this and next episode because we're pulling a double because Lauren's going off to Loch Lomond or what the hell ever. Because I travel a lot. Man, I sure do like haggis. I know they make vegan haggis, but I can't even get up the nerve to try that. Well, what are we talking about today? No, am I going first? Oh, I guess it's my turn, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, I am reading Ticklish Tom. Okay. Did you hear about Ticklish Tom? He got tickled by his mom. Wiggled and giggled and fell on the floor. Laughed and rolled right out the door. 
all the way to school and then he got tickled by his friends laughed till he fell off his stool laughed and rolled right out of school down the stairs and finally stopped till he got tickled by a cop and all the more that he kept giggling all the more the folks kept tickling he shrieked and screamed and rolled around laughed his way right out of town through the country down the road he got tickled by a toad past the mountains across the plain tickled by the falling rain tickled by the soft brown grass tickled by the clouds that passed giggling rolling on his back he rolled on the railroad track rumble rumble whistle roar tom ain't ticklish anymore ouch <laughs> how does one get tickled by a toad I don't know, the little grabby fingers. <laughs> Whenever I think of toads, I think of those really bright green ones that are like from Costa Rica, the tree frogs. Those aren't toads. Wait, shit, those aren't toads. Those are frogs. God damn it. Yeah, what toad would be capable of tickling? A cane toad? They're large enough. Are they actually toads, though? Yes, cane toads are toads. Okay, because I know horny toads aren't toads. No, cane toads are the invasive Australian species that I love so much. Tell us about them, Russ. Oh, cane toads? Oh, well, Australia um, had a problem with an invasive, like, weevil that was eating a bunch of crops. And so they decided that they would import a bunch of toads to eat the bugs that were eating their crops. Come to find out, uh, they did, like, apparently about as much research as I do for this podcast. They did in importing a lot of toads. And come to find out, the toads not only do not eat that particular bug, uh, they're also poisonous <laughs> and extremely large and reproduce at just hilarious rates. And so the cane toad, why it's not on the flag of Australia as a cautionary tale is be- it's so bad, the Simpsons did an episode about it. I didn't know about this. Where is it originally from? Let's see. There's a great documentary about um, about the cane toad and specifically the problems in Australia. <laughs> uh, yeah, eight, 1988. There it is. Cane toads and unnatural history. <laughs> ah, the cane beetle. Yes, that was the critter that they were trying to eliminate. So they're from cane toads are native south? to South and mainland Middle America. Yeah. Oh dear. They were. T- Introduced to Australia from Hawaii in June 1935 by the Bureau of Sugar Experiment Stations. <laughs> and that's why they're called the cane toad is because they are known for their use for pests and sugar cane. You know how there are people that have jobs that involve maybe going to the office, talking to people for 45 minutes, sending one email, talking to people for another seven hours, and then driving back home again. Well, those people work for the Bureau of Sugar Experiment Stations. Because, damn, that just sounds like a load. In an attempt to control the native gray-backed cane beetle. Those beetles are native to Australia and they are detrimental to sugarcane crops, which are a major source of income for Australia. Oh, so the the pest wasn't even an invasive. The pest was a native. No, the pest is native. 
1935, 102 cane toads were imported to Gordonvale from Hawaii with one dying in transit due to dehydration. I love that they kept numbers on that. By March 1937, some 62,000 toadlets were bred in captivity and then released in areas around Cairns or Carnes, Gordonvale, and Innisfail in northern Queensland. More toads were released. Da, 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 da. Since their release, toads have rapidly multiplied. They now number over 200 million and have been known to spread diseases, thereby affecting local biodiversity. <laughs> Not only has the introduction of the toads caused significant environmental detriment, but there is no evidence that they have affected the number of cane beetles which they were introduced to prey upon. Now, Speaking of Australia, let it not be forgotten that this is the same country that went to war with the noble emu and lost. <laughs> uh, the toads on the western frontier have evolved larger legs. <laughs> so now they can travel farther. Oh no. Awesome. In 20... 20- 23 rangers discovered a cane toad in queensland which was the largest ever seen are you reading Six. wikipedia or what are you what are you yes. reading well i i what's was your source wikipedia, but, but now i followed a link to the bbc <laughs> oh somebody had fun with this one tiffany turnbull writing for the bbc australia's toadzilla record-breaking cane toad found in queensland A monster specimen six times bigger than the average toad weighs 2.7 kilograms. There is a photo. It is massive. This thing is larger than my ass. (laughs) You don't have a particularly big ass, though. Well, this toad is bigger. (laughs) Oh, God. Well. I wasn't even going to talk about it. I know. I was going to say how to. I mean, I don't. I just. This doesn't seem to follow except for the toad part, so let's talk about the poem, I guess. A cane toad will eat anything it can fit into its mouth. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) This is so goddamn funny. I love Australia so much. I need to go to Australia. Uh, I've never been. I've never been. It looks like a cartoon. Oh, what was I going to talk about? Yeah, what were you? That's right. Why did you pick this poem? Uh, well, I was visiting Dallas recently, and my niece is long about five now, and she's she's at that age where she's extremely social with everyone and is trying different social boundaries and that kind of thing, and she has discovered tickling, and she was incensed to learn that I'm not that ticklish. Uh-huh. Like, I'm kind of ticklish in the same way that everyone is. Like if, you, if like I have bare feet or something and someone comes up and hits yeah. someone with a finger or a feather. Like, yeah, I'll pull away from it, but I'm not like the <laughs> giggling and rolling around type. And she very much is. Like if you, I think children if you are. Her, yeah. I think it's just a but, thing about a neurological thing about being a child. Yeah. T- and tickling still a novelty. And so you poke her in the ribs and she just falls down giggling. But I'm telling you, she tried for ages. Like, But she also doesn't really... Children also don't know how to tickle. And so she kind of just takes fingers and rams them into flesh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, the idea's there, but the spirit... Like, the spirit's there, but the, the execution is... Leaves something to be desired. <laughs> and... 
of course that that chained me down the like the whole tickle uh torture and fetishism like i can't have an idea like that in my head without it going to one of two dark places which is usually fetishism and or torture both of which tickling is you and, know it's weird but i had never thought of that a tickling would be a fetish it makes sense that it would be in the same way that like any kind of overwhelming stimulus can be yes it very much is yeah i don't find it enjoyable and a lot of people i have known didn't find it enjoyable and so for a lot of my life i assume the same thing i was mistaken well i liked it as a kid then something uh, changed and i suddenly didn't like it anymore an article in the british medical journal about european tortures describes a method of tickle torture in which a goat was compelled to lick the victim's feet because they were dipped in salt once the goat had licked the salt off the victim's feet would be dipped again and the process would be repeated uh, this would continue until the skin was removed from the feet by the goat's rough tongue however there's a problem with this in that it's not a very specific article and it's and it may or may not be true it's described in 1502s yeah that doesn't sound that sounds really unlikely it would take so long for a goat to lick skin away in ancient japan one such torture was called kusuguri zeme merciless tickling (laughs) an 1887 article entitled england in old times fuck me we just can't stop looking back to the good old days can we gone too are the parish stocks in which male offenders against public morality formerly sat imprisoned with their legs held fast beneath a heavy wooden yoke while sundry small but fiendish boys improved the occasion by deliberately pulling off their shoes and tickling the soles of the men's defenseless feet okay that sounds realistic (laughs) it also is so fucking well written like god i want newspapers to read like that again sundry small but fiendish boys (laughs) ah shit i've got the giggles i would say something make a joke about aha it's because of tickling but we've already established that that's unlikely in in vernon vahey's book sibling abuse He published his research findings regarding 150 adults who were abused by their siblings during childhood. Several reported tickling as a type of physical abuse they experienced. And based on these reports, it was revealed that abusive tickling is capable of provoking extreme physiological reactions, such as vomiting, urinary incontinence, and losing consciousness. I can see that. I can definitely see that. Uh, The losing consciousness would be from hyperventilating. But yes, that we... uh... We turn our attention now to the more pleasurable and more pleasurable. In sexual fetishism, tickle torture is an activity between consenting partners. A torture session usually begins with one partner allowing the other to tie them up in a position that exposes bare parts of their body, particularly those sensitive to tickling. The victim would typically be in their under. Why does it say that the victim would be in their underwear or partially to fully naked? Yes, this is... That's yes. part of the exposing of ticklish parts of the body. Also, in sexual fetishism, it's meant to derive sexual pleasure. Thank you, I'm aware of what words mean. God damn it. Whoever, who edited this? 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna find. Wait, are you, you looking at WikiHow? What are you looking at? No, it's Wikipedia, but it's the same six white guys that edit fucking everything on this. The restraint of the arms above the head leaves the upper body and under arms susceptible to tickling. This enables the torturer to use... Okay, this is author insertion. I've just realized. <laughs> this enables the torturer to use whatever they want, e.g. fingers, tongue, beard, feathers, brush, pine cones, salt sticks, electric pine toothbrushes, cones? or... Yeah, this is totally just... Pine yeah, cones? Someone... The, huh. This article has just revealed way more about the author than it has about. It really has. <laughs> I realize that anybody who is hearing the second, like the my half of the conversation, is just hearing. Ah, yes, that would be from <laughs> asphyxiation. Pine cones. <laughs> <laughs> Mentally, every now and again, I have to check myself because I love going into our mutual waveforms mm-hmm. on these episodes. And episodes where I have the poem, it is 75% me talking. <laughs> and episodes where you have the poem, it's like maybe 60-40 you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But like, I talk so goddamn much. I don't know, I think you have better things to say than I do. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, man, and then like, and, and yeah, I mean, tickling is just a hop, skip, and a jump right over to my old friend ASMR. Ooh. Try showing I... that to James, and he's like, Russ, this is weird. I can't. They're they're folding towels in a sexy way. I'm not okay with this. <laughs> I am probably more ticklish than you are, but I don't really get all the excited tinglies that you do from ear things. Music, too. Music does it as well. What in particular? Do you have, like, an example? Very grandiose music. If it makes me feel emotional, I get... Goosebumps and and tingles all the way up the back of my neck and all into my head. Yeah, I can I get and, that sometimes. And they it's, come in waves, and I know which songs like like I could pull up a song right now that would do it, and it just like ooh feels like huh. I do get that. Oh, wow. it, it usually has to be for me listening to something for the first or a re, uh, like a fairly new time or in a fairly new context. It's a little bit like being tickled. I have to be surprised. Oh, interesting. No, I can do it. I, I can listen to the same song on repeat and it'll do it every time. In fact, I, just me describing it now made it happen. Neat! Yeah. That sounds lovely. This might be called frisian. Also known as aesthetic chills or psychogenic shivers, frisian is a psychophysiological response to rewarding stimuli, including music, films, stories, and rituals that often induces a pleasurable or otherwise positively valenced affective state and transient paresthesia, skin tingling. Yeah, I do get it sometimes. I get it mostly from music, but occasionally also from like a particularly rousing speech or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, here it is. Rhythmic, dynamic, harmonic, uh, melodic violations of a person's explicit or implicit expectations are associated with musical frisson. Oh, loud, very high, low frequency, quickly varying sounds, unexpected harmonies, moments of modulations. That's interesting that for some people it's quite unexpected, and that's my experience of it. I'm one of those people who is still fairly ticklish, but only in certain areas. And it's not very much fun anymore because tickling with adults is... That sort of unconsensual touch is just not okay for adults. And so if I get tickled, (laughs) it's also like really insulting too. So I'm just like, the fuck? The fuck did you do that for? What is wrong with you? How dare? 
The first time I ever got in trouble in school was for tickling a friend of mine. How old? Oh, second grade, maybe. Seems like a pretty normal time to tickle someone. Yeah, we were at the lunch table, and I was tickling him, and he was laughing. And the cafeteria monitor came and told us to stand at the front. Probably because they were worried that you would get him to choke on something he was eating. Well, we, the, and that's the thing. We weren't eating. We had already cleared that. We had cleared the table already. The trays were gone. There was no more food. We were waiting, and we were bored, and that's why we were tickled. Oh, then they just hate fun. And then when the teacher came to get us, she turned to him and she said, "I would have expected it from you." And then she turned to me and said, "But Russ, you surprised me. <laughs> I am so salty mean. about that." Forty years later. <laughs> also, so mean. Oh my gosh, you guys are. I remember. Just, I remember that like it was yesterday. What, who can say that about a second grader? Like, I expected you to be better than tickling somebody. I also really liked that teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Later in life, when I became a teacher, she was uh, much, much older, but would occasionally sub at the school I was teaching at, which was a lot of fun. No. <laughs> my second grade teacher. I wonder if she told your students stories about you. Oh, probably. Yeah. I don't know if I was that memorable, though. I don't think I did anything particularly notable other than get in trouble for tickling. There's a great documentary called uh, called Tickled that everybody should check out, too. That's all about the erotic tickling world. Oh. Oh, my. And you've seen it? Yeah, 2016. Wow, you've seen a lot of documentaries. You've actually recommended two documentaries. The one about yeah, the cane toads and also the one about erotic tickling. I think before... Well, between... the cane toads one is so fucking funny. I mean, I think between the two, I would probably pick the cane toad because that sounds you right watch up it on my YouTube. alley. The cane, to- the cane toad one is on YouTube in its entirety. How long is and, it? Uh, about an hour. All right. And, it, uh, and what's really funny is it's 1988 and it's made for no money. And so what's really funny is when they have like <laughs> Dutch angle shots of the cane toads with like scary music behind them. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a bit where people are like swerving in the road to try and hit them. And all the and all the while, it's Australians complaining about it. And it, be, and I don't know any Australians that listen to this, but it is really difficult to take someone seriously when they're talking in that accent. I mean, the only Australian you and I really know is a completely ridiculous human, and so mm. that doesn't help. Well, you know, these toads are just a bugger. The hell are you talking about? Go lose another prime minister. <laughs> I don't know the context for this. Oh, they lost a prime minister. Like, the the prime minister just disappeared? Oh, they also had a prime minister shit himself into McDonald's. That was really funny. Well, things He happen. denied it for fucking ever. December 17th, 1967. Harold Edward Holt became the third Australian prime minister to die in office. His death was the subject of controversy. The Prime Minister was presumed dead two days after he disappeared while swimming at Schwabah Beach near Portsea. Oh. Did they ever find his body? I guess if that if the answer was nope. yes, then yeah, they wouldn't be a disappeared. <laughs> the very lost. next question on Google, how many Australian Prime Ministers <laughs> disappeared? Uh just one as it turns out. No. Certainly they could do well, it more, I'm sure. <laughs>